What's up, everybody? This is Miles Turner, the Indiana Pacers. You're listening to the Pacers Podcast. Be sure to follow at Pacers on Twitter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pacers Podcast, the only Australian NBA podcast with a bias toward the Indiana Pacers, where we are at 25 wins and 49 losses. Just an abysmal season overall, with the only real thing that is keeping us going is uh, lottery odds. We won't lie. All we really want is the best possible lottery odds and the best chance to draft the best young player that we possibly can to pair with Tyrese Halliburton and the young core around him. It's been a really weird week, uh, punctuated by a terrible loss to Memphis and an almost win that was celebrated like a win loss to Sacramento. Um, Justin, you you couldn't be with us last week, so I'll start with you. You've got the new ball today. Uh, the Sacramento loss, I, I just, it was, it's so weird to want this team to lose for better odds, but it, this, is, this is where we are, right? Like everyone was really happy to lose that game. Yeah, it was a unique game. I think both Kings and Pacer fans wanted to lose that game. Um, but yeah, the last minute was was really funny. I was actually working on the game. Yeah, it was it was uh, funny to funny to do. But yeah, the Buddy Hill turnover that was just comical. And then giving up that offensive rebound, it was just the worst basketball you've seen. Um, Pacers got up late in the third and even in the fourth, I had a comfortable lead. I thought there was no way they were going to lose that game. Like I was messaging you guys teeing off at the team going, you know, we've got to the sixth seed, uh, sixth spot. Now this is terrible classic paces, but look, there's, there's still, there's still light at the end of the tunnel. Isn't that Adam? There's still a chance we get that fifth slot. Absolutely. There is. I think, um, Right now, we, we kind of want to hope for the very best odds possible. And right now, we're in the, the fifth spot. We, we should stay there as long as things continue the way that they're going. But, I mean, there are other teams that are, that are not trotting out the best lineups right now. I mean, the Portlands and Sacramentos of the world. Sacramento didn't play Fox. Obviously, Sabonis being injured doesn't help that at all. But even then, they're, you know, they're not being able to, to bring out their best players. Uh, and Portland is trotting out lineups that I've I've never heard of. I mean, they they've got Josh Hart and just four guys that they have signed in the last few weeks, it seems, and they're, they they don't care. They are in full tank mode. And Alex, it's the a very unique situation to be competing with other teams for a lower spot. It's like the only time I've ever been rooting for like the Portland Trailblazers on a random Friday morning. Like I would never even watch these games normally, but here I am rooting for a bunch of G League players to uh, somehow beat teams. And it's a, yeah, it's a funny spot. Pacers fans have never really been in this, at least not in a, not in any of our lifetimes. So yeah, it's interesting, but look, it, it, uh, I've said this before, but if you're a Pacers fan, I get that the losses can be tiring and there are some fans who already hate it, right? Like I'm seeing reactions on Twitter from, some fans who hate it and don't get me wrong, like losing by 30 to the Grizzlies twice is bad. Like obviously that's not enjoyable, but uh, it's a process, right? Like don't want to be cliche, but you got to trust it. And there's a reason the paces are losing these games. It's going to be better in the long run, isn't it? So you just got to stay patient if you're a paces fan. Yeah, it is. And I mean, looking at the difference between fifth and sixth 
in terms of lottery odds, because this is stuff that we have to really care about as fans at this point. Um, we have to understand where we are in the standings. We're currently in fifth. We're not going to get to fourth. We are not going to catch Oklahoma City or to more to the point, Oklahoma City are not going to catch us. So that gives us a 10.5% chance at each of the one, two, three, and four picks in the draft. So we effectively have a 42% chance to get a top four pick in the draft. We then have a 2.2% chance to keep that fifth spot, which is really weird and really weird, weird wrinkle associated with the way that the lottery works because it is more likely that a team jumps us. And if only one team jumps us, then we move back to that sixth spot. So we've got a 19.6% chance of the sixth pick and it goes up to a 26.7% chance of the seventh pick. So if you want to look at the difference between what we could get, you've got a 42% chance that we get picks, one of the picks between one, two, three, and four with an equal chance at each pick. Uh, And then between the sixth and the seventh picks, you've got a 46.3% chance that we get the sixth or the seventh pick. So 46.3 for six or seven, 42% that we pick in the top four. So it's, a, as I say, a, weird, a really weird wrinkle. There is a 8.7% chance of the eighth pick and a 0.6% chance of the ninth pick, which would be absolute disaster and probably be the weirdest lottery that we've ever seen because we would have been jumped by like four teams. But, <clears throat> excuse me, I think um, the, the important thing to understand is uh, if you're doing mock drafts and you've got the paces picking fifth, we're really unlikely to be picking fifth we're highly likely to be picking either side of that. We're more likely to be picking sixth or seventh than we are one through four, which is a really, as I say, a weird wrinkle of how the lottery odds work. Um, But, you know, we've got nearly 50-50 chance of either picking one through four versus six or seven. So if you're mocking up the paces, then your worst case scenario is six or seven. Your best case scenario is one through four. So we'll get to the picks in a second. We'll get to the mock draft in a second. I want to get some thoughts. I know, Justin, you've got many, many thoughts. But before I get into that, let's look at the schedule that we've got remaining over the next, particularly over the next week. So between the 27th and the 31st of March, we have a game at Toronto. That's a playoff team. I can't see us winning that game, particularly with the injuries that we have, versus Atlanta, a team that's trying to make the play in. Um, once again, can't see us winning that game. And then versus Denver, um, Denver are a, a definite playoff team and they need every win that they can get in a very competitive Western Conference. I mean, Justin, there's, there's kind of no chance that we knock off any of those teams. And then we go to Boston. So Boston, probably the hottest team in the league. So there's a very real chance of a zero and four over the next four games, which would not be great. We don't wish... Um, a lack of success on the paces. Who am I kidding? Yes, we do. We want to lose every single one of these games. Um, but that, I mean, that's four out of the remaining eight games. I'll get into the, the other four games in a moment, but it's kind of, it's a positive for our, our draft spot that we're playing playoff teams at this time of the season, Justin. Yeah, it is. And I know you said you'll get it into it in a moment, but I think the remaining eight games, Pacers will only be favourite in one, and that'll be against Detroit. Um, so favoured one time in the next eight games. I was worried, like you remember me on the podcast and talking to you boys, I was really worried about the March schedule with Orlando, Detroit, Washington, Spurs, Rockets, Trailblazers. We had a really, really soft March, and I think 
if you're looking at the tank perspective, we got through it pretty well unscathed. It's just Sacramento, uh, the franchise they are, and they're obviously dealing with injuries right now, but they just really put the paces in a in a tough spot to get that that seed. The only thing I will say, Adam, is I worry about playing playoff teams is, you know, when you're playing the likes of 76ers and, and Brooklyn as your last game is if they're locked into a playoff seed, they're going to be resting Embiid, KD, Kyrie, which um, I do worry about. That's going to be the tough thing. I think, you know, if if any of these playoff teams are assured of a certain slot, then there is no incentive for Philly or Brooklyn to play their best guys those last couple of games. If it's the difference between playing a team that they want to play and playing a team that they're going to struggle against, then that's the that's going to be the driving factor in in how uh, this is going to shape up. And obviously, it's it's Philly and Brooklyn. I don't expect Brooklyn to uh, to rest stars just simply because the five, six, seven, eight is. You know, five, six, and seven are very close. Eight, they're three games away from Toronto with, what, eight games to play. So if they're going to run, then they have a chance to miss the play-in, which would be ideal. Um, As for Philly, uh, that one through four seed is also super tight. So they may need that game to hit the eight seed, hit the first seed and play, you know, a a Charlotte or Atlanta or Toronto, one of those teams that you probably want to see. Um, so you would hope that they're in a position to be able to continue wanting to win every single game and wanting to put their best lineup out there. But um, Alex, we've seen really weird box scores in the last couple of weeks of a season before. I mean, this could be like an O'Shea Brissett 40 point game type situation. Mm-hmm. Like we, we could see some very weird things happen in the last fortnight. Well, you speak about weird performances. That's what worries me about the play-in because right now the Cavaliers, who we own their first-round pick, obviously, they're right in that play-in mix. So they play the Raptors tomorrow. If they lose that game, they're all of a sudden in the play-in against the Nets. Like, uh, that does not excite me in the slightest because even if they have to play the the Hawks or the Hornets, they both have players that can go off in any particular game, right, with Lamelo Ball or Trey Young. If they get 40 dropped on them, we, we could not own that pick this year. So if you're a Pacers fan talking about draft picks and potential one-game people going off, that's something you really have to worry about because I, I was happy the Cavs pick was moving up. Now I'm gradually getting more and more worried because they're 6-11 in their last 17 games. And Jared Allen's out. They're, they've been really struggling. Super tough schedule for them too, aside from two games against Orlando. I mean, they've got Chicago, they've got Dallas, they've got Philly, Brooklyn and Milwaukee all in their last stretch of games. So it's not as if they're playing teams that are vying for draft spots. They're, they're mostly playing playoff teams. So this, you know, if they don't get healthy and they don't get some wins, then yeah, they'll be in the play-in. I think the best thing that we can hope for is would be a really long shot, which is they make the play-in and then they hit that seventh, eighth seed, end up with this 15th, 16th pick. And then, you know, we're, we're in a, just a fantastic position. You could not hope for a better position than just outside the lottery for that pick. If we walk away with a, a four, a 15 and a 31, I mean, Justin, that's kind of the draft hall that you hope for. Yeah, and then that gives us so much flexibility and KP options, doesn't it? I, I still think, we, yeah, if we if we do get Cleveland's pick this season, I don't think we're going to actually draft a player. I just think we traded to get Jackson last year and 
we were so much youngsters with, um, you know, what's going to happen with Goga, Duarte, uh, you know, fourth or fifth pick. We, we get, I just don't think that pick's going to be used. And that's why I don't think KP's too worried about the initial lottery night. I could be way off here. Like, yes, of course, the Pacers are going to want number one, one two or three pick. But yeah, I think even if they fall back, I, I think it's like, oh, well, we just might have to lose a bit more assets to get the player we want. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting. Speaking of the player we want, so I'm going to go through the mock draft on the Athletic, uh, mock draft number five. It was posted prior to March Madness, so February 17th. It's old, but it still kind of holds in terms of the consensus view. So um, the the top seven prospects, I'm going to name them, and then we can have a little chat about them and, and go from there. So the number one rated prospect, Chet Holmgren, um, I'm stopping myself from vomiting in my mouth right now as I say that name. Okay. There are two things I need to say. I'm not drafting a guy named Chet. I'm just not. I can't do it. I can't bring myself to get on board with drafting a guy named Chet. Also, we've seen this movie before. We've seen big centers, big, big centers that block a lot of shots get drafted super high and then do absolutely nothing in the pros. Michael Olawakandi was one of them. Uh, Hashim the Beat was another like there are so many examples of super long you know not terribly uh athletic guys that seem to have a good feel for the game and good shooting and etc and good fundamentals that just do nothing when they enter the nba because the game is too fast for them too athletic for them and they can't you know do the things that made them great um Justin, you probably have very similar thoughts, I'm guessing. College basketball fans, join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. It's that simple. If they win, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still join the College Hoops action with DraftKings Pools. Everyone can play free pools or march long for a shot at a share of over $250,000 in prizes. Simply join a pool and answer questions like, who will make it to the next round and who will hit the most three-pointers? Then track your results. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 plus restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Yeah, I watched Chet um, in his elimination game. And yeah, uh, he's dreadful. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I, I know uh, there's been a lot of chat. He's not dreadful. Obviously, he's going to be a top five pick in the NBA. Like, he's not dreadful. That's Good luck to him. Good luck to him wherever he goes. Yeah. But I've seen a lot of chatter like, oh, if you don't think Chet Holmgren is going to be a superstar, like, he's going to put on muscle like Anthony Davis and MB did. Like, You've got no idea. Like no, he's I'm not. sorry. We're, we're, he's yeah, not. we've seen this. We've seen this story before. He's tall. He's lanky. I can't see him having a body like Embiid in five years. <laughs> like a body like Sean can't. Bradley in five years. Exactly, and that's the perfect NBA comparison. He's a decent shot blocker. I saw he was getting outbodied by guard getting rebounds. Look, he fouled out. He still finished the game with I don't know, like twelve points, fourteen boards, three blocks, but. Box for Bandits will be like, oh, you know, he played good, got double-double. He played awful. Like, the team wasn't even looking for him. They're looking for some Timmy guy the whole game who had a headband. He looked like someone in your D-grade social team. Um, I don't know, Alex. I, I If Pacers draft him, I'll punch a wall. Chet with the uh, first pick, Drew Timmy with the 58th pick, boys. Let's get it. <laughs> 
god. Yeah, you know Alex, I'm guessing your consensus here. You you don't want Chet either. Well, Pacers fans just have such bad PTSD with this kind of build. And that, that's really the biggest thing, I think, at least. Like, look, Godspeed to Chet. I, I think he's going to be all right in the NBA, maybe. But Jesus Christ, I cannot see anything but TJ leave when I watch that man on the basketball court. So, Wow. Oh that, that's possibly the worst thing that you could have said about poor Chet, that he reminds you of TJ Leaf, particularly in this fan base, because that's I mean, not good. It's purely, purely build and some of these mannerisms as well, but... Yep. Yeah. Look, okay. if, he, if he wins Rookie of the Year, I reckon we shut down the podcast. Yeah, yeah. we just close it, which is we're done at that point. Uh, okay, pick two, Jabari Smith from Auburn. So what I've seen of Jabari Smith really like, he's prototypical 6'10 forward, um, you know, he's a shooter. I feel like it, this is one of those guys that you look at and say, how can he kind of not make it? in this league with the way that it's played with, you know, the fact that everyone's getting taller and everyone's shooting from longer range. And, you know, everyone wants that, that raw athletic prospect that has, you know, some, some really good upside, but um, Alex, you watch a hell of a lot more college basketball than me. So I could have just been talking complete crap for the past (laughs) 30 seconds, but I like this kid. I think he's going to be good. Yeah. To me, he's the best shooter in the draft, which is insane to say, because he is six foot 10. If you watch him, he'll pull up from the logo. He'll catch and shoot from anywhere. Definitely needs to work on his handle. That's the the biggest criticism of his game, that he struggles to beat guys off the dribble, which, again, like he's 6'10". How many 6'10 guys can beat guys yeah. off the dribble? Like Kevin exactly. Durant. So, <laughs> that's true. There, there aren't that many. So, look, I'm not really concerned about that. Again, he's younger than Chet as well. He's younger than any of the other top four guys. So, yeah, to me, if, if your biggest concern about this 6'10 sniper is that he can't handle, like, a guard, like, you're doing all right. I promise you he's going to be all right. Don't ask him to handle the ball. Put him in positions to score. And we've got a guy that can put his teammates mm. in positions to score. So would He'd not have... Perfect with Hall- Halliburton. Perfect yeah. fit. Would not have any problem with the Pacers drafting uh, Jabari Smith. Jaden Ivey. Now, okay. Jaden Ivey had... You talk about a terrible elimination game, Justin. Jaden Ivey just had one of those. He had a terrible elimination game. I think he was three for 14. Probably one of his worst shooting performances of the season. Uh, friend of the show, Tom Hirsch, saw him for the very, very first time in this elimination game. It was possibly the worst first impression that he could make on poor Tom because Tom walked away going, we want that guy. Are you sure? <laughs> and that's completely fair. You compare that to the last game where he waved off his teammates and hit a dagger three from the top of the key. And he's young. He's going to be super inconsistent at this stage. Um, He is, you know, 20 years old though. So he is a little older than the other guys in the top five. Um, But at the same time, he's still only 20 years old. So for me, he's shown enough over the course of the season. His highlight reel is unmatched at this point, but Alex, I know you love him. Justin, what do you think of Jaden Ivey? Yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned the tough elimination game because um, Chet, Jabari Smith and Jaden Ivey have had terrible elimination games. So let's not put too much stock into just Ivey. I've seen a lot of Pace Nation kind of throw their hands up today online and, oh, I don't want him anymore. He's terrible. But um, look, he shot terribly, but let's not forget he had a three-pointer to bring him to within one point with eight seconds left. And that was a, that was a, you know, crucial three. So um, he, he does have that clutch gene in him, which the Pacers need, they sorely need. And 
Um, I'm not saying you turn to a rookie for that, but you never know in five years, he could be that for the Pacers. And I'm the same with you, Adam. They need that that excitement machine, the, the guy to get the fans going. You know, yeah. doesn't every, every Pacer fan love a, love a player with hometown roots? You know, didn't yeah. his mum play for Fever? Shouldn't that tick everyone's box? It should. It should. I mean, look, Alex, you've been on the Jaden Ivey train. You've made jersey swaps and they've, you know, caught fire on social media. You you clearly love this kid. I think we all have an affection for a guy that, a guard that just knows that he belongs. I mean, he's there's, he's drawn a lot of Oladipo comparisons. Uh, I've seen that name thrown around a lot online for him. I don't necessarily see that as such, but um, I do think that, he has the the self-belief that you want from a guy coming into the NBA. Yeah, I'll say the Oladipo comparison is probably just purely off of the athleticism that they both have at, at the collegiate level. But yeah. for me, like Jaden Ivey, again, Justin, you talk about guys who are must-watch TV. Like he, he's the only guy that could force me to wake up at like 4 or 5 a.m. to watch a Purdue game. Like I've never done that before in my life. I don't care about Purdue, no offense, but... <laughs> Like um, I know more about Zach Eady and Travion Williams than any person in Australia should know now because of Jaden <laughs> Ivey. So, uh, you know, he, he's a guy who, who brings excitement every night. Uh, and he's more than just an athlete as well. Like, I've seen that take as well. Like people think that he's just like one good dunk every game. Like, no, this guy can do a lot of good things. He showed some playmaking today. He had like eight or nine assists. Um, and in, I think most importantly in NBA spacing, like when I look at all these top five prospects, he is to me the one that will benefit the most from going to that next level because you can't just clog the paint, right? Like in the big 10 in college, you can just put some seven footer in the paint and just tell them to stand there and stick your hands up. You can't do that in the NBA. So I think for me, Jaden's going to be much better at the next level. Now we've hit three guys who've had terrible elimination games. Now we've got a guy who played really well uh, in his last game, Paolo Benchero. Uh, he got 22 points, hit three, three pointers, Played some really good D, had a defensive highlight reel, which really excited me. I love a defensive highlight reel. Um, but yeah, he he seemed to start the season with a blaze of glory. I think he was uh, the consensus number one pick in about November, then trailed off a little. And now he's kind of, you know, jumping up just a little bit in uh, projections. He's currently projected four through the athletic. Um Alex, you, I don't know how much Duke you've watched in your life. Uh, I, I try to stay away because they seem to be a really toxic, <laughs> toxic place. But um, Paolo looks to have a really good combination of scoring and defense and, and looks to be quite polished coming in, which all Duke guys tend to be coming into the league. There's one thing that you can say about Duke guys, and that is that that team and that coach has prepared them for the rigors of professional basketball. Yeah, they definitely do. I mean, look, Paolo had a massive slump, right? Like he, he had a month period where he was really bad and his draft stock was plummeting, but, you know, you have a good tournament and it can go right back up. So I could easily see him going anywhere in the top three. Uh, I've seen him draw comparisons to like Blake Griffin, maybe a little bit with the size and handle, not really the athlete, but I mean, he's got that mid-range game, right? Like you watch the jab steps, the passing, he's got a little bit of everything on offense. So um, yeah, look, he would be a good fit again with the Pacers. He'll be a good fit with just about anyone in the NBA. He's one of those guys who you can kind of slide in anywhere. I'm going to go quick fire for the next like five prospects because I feel like the three of us haven't watched a lot of college basketball. I want to know if you've seen any of these guys and if you have any comments on any of them. Uh, AJ Griffin out of Duke, 
Keegan Murphy out of Iowa, Johnny Davis out of Wisconsin, Jalen Duran out of Memphis, Benedict Mathurian out of Arizona, and Ty Ty Washington out of Kentucky. Um, AJ Griffin's the guy I've watched the most. <laughs> I know yeah. we, we probably haven't watched a lot of those guys. Matherin, Tony East is a big fan of Matherin, but I think that for the Pacers, you know, you look at the wings, I would even look further in the draft than that, Adam, further than the guys you named, Tyree Easton uh, from LSU is a guy who I really like, best perimeter defender in this draft class. So he's a guy that if we drop to like seven or eight, I'm, I'm really high on him. And we would be remiss without talking about Dyson Daniels, an Australian guy who's tearing it up in the G League right now. He's 6'6", and I think he had something like nearly a 2020 game uh, in the G League a few weeks ago. So the fact that he's projected 11th is uh, interesting. It would be really, really amazing to have an Australian guy on the Pacers team, particularly with his podcast existing in the first place. So the fact that there's an Australian guy projected to go uh, in the top half of the first round and the fact that we may have at least one pick in the top half of the first round is interesting. Um I think the other guys that I can add to this conversation are the two guys that I see more than anyone else in person. And those are the two New Zealand breakers. Uh, one is projected at, I think, 25. The other one around 32. Um, Usman Jeng is, I think, only 18 years old. And uh, he has been uh, really interesting for the breakers this season. Um, I've been lucky enough to commentate their games. Uh, he's 6'9". He's really long. He's really raw. He's really young. Um, he shows flashes of absolute brilliance. Uh, he can block shots. He can hit three-pointers. So he's your prototypical 3-and-D guy that's probably going to need another couple of years in a system. Um, but he's definitely got all the physical tools to be successful. And then there's Hugo Vesson, who's also out of France, um, who is projected a little lower than uh, than Jang, he's projected. He's 20 years old, so he's a little bit older. Um, he's 6'3", but he can catch fire. I mean, man, he scored 12 points in the third quarter a couple of weeks ago against Perth, who are one of the best teams in the NBL. Um, and just the confidence with which he strokes that three-pointer, he's just your, he's your typical irrational confidence guy. He's uh, an unbelievable kid. He's still under 20 years old, and I think he could find a place in any team. I mean, you want a guy that comes off the bench and could hit three three-pointers in a quarter, and that's Hugo. So I think both of them will find a way in the league, but it's been very cool to watch them up close and personal. Um, any other draft prospects you like, Justin? Um, there's been a few, like my mates have sent me through, but I, I don't like to get caught up on highlight mixtapes. Like, it, I, I always remember there's a Pacers fan a few years ago and they, they really wanted... Paces to draft Terrence Ferguson and he played for the 36ers and his highlight mix was insane because he was an awesome dunker. I went, I was season member for the 36ers. He was dreadful. He was awful. <laughs> All he had to do is stand there and do nothing. And yeah. I always say, don't get caught up in mixtapes unless you thoroughly watch the player game in, game out. You don't really know what they're like. And you could watch Chet Holmgren's, um, you know, YouTube mix and be like, oh my God, this guy's an ain't Shaq. <laughs> but yeah. And that's the thing I'll that's the thing I'll say about Hugo Besson. He's been asked to carry that offense in different points. So you yeah. you look at a guy who's in probably the second or third best league in the world. He's being asked to carry an offense of that team for stretches. He's been the top or second top scorer for that team in most of their games this season. So, you know, he's got the chops, whereas Jeng 
is just super athletic. So you're going to have to work on him. He's not going to go in and give you everything you need straight away. He's going to be a project. And you, you know that, Adam, because you've watched like all their games and in person yeah. and, and things like that. Things you you know can't pick up on from just seeing a box score, but I'm I'm all in. Like I was all in a few years ago with Pacers drafting Donovan Mitchell. I've said it. I was yep. all in on it. I wanted him so bad. I knew we were going to probably have to trade up to get him. Didn't happen. And yeah, you obviously see how Donovan Mitchell has turned out. I'm I'm like that on Jaden Ivy now. I want to put it out there. I want him to be a Pacer. I'll be disappointed if he's not. If they read out another person's name when Ivy's still on the board, I will be disappointed. So. Are you are you all in on Ivy as well, Alex? I'm not. I, I'm not well, in on all in on Ivy. I think if we take one of those forwards, if we take Paolo Banchero or Jabari, I, I can forgive that because you've already got a guy like Tyrus Halliburton that you can hand the keys to the offense. And I think if you pair him with a six ten forward that can shoot, that can defend, that can do a bunch of different stuff, and be that other anchor of the team, I think you you. You give yourself two guys that are 21 and under that can carry this team for the next 10 years. So I get the whole, you know, move to get the best backcourt humanly possible. And I understand that, but I just feel like big man, little man combination um, for me is, is the, the cornerstone the franchise needs to build toward. Alex, what do you think? I mean, yeah, if I'm like listing it as a big board, Ivy's not my number one, but he's probably my number three. So like, He's right yeah. up there. And if we do, I mean, to get the number three three pick, we would have to jump up. So who's one and up. two, Alex? Chet's Chet's number 60. <laughs> Chet's going undrafted to the uh, mad dance board. No, I'm just joking. I'm, I'm being too mean to him. <laughs> Jabari and Paolo are one A and one B to me. Interesting. Yeah. But uh, oh but if we're talking about the Cavs pick real quick though, I think Pacers fans should be watching a film of Jeremy Sohan from uh, Baylor. He is really good, can defend one through five. And Right now, Abaji as well, who plays for Kansas, who's still in the tournament. Watch those games and keep an eye out for those, uh, for him. Love it. Love the draft mail. All right, we'll have plenty more to say about the draft, about draft picks, about the remaining games. Uh, it's a weird time of year because we kind of want to see the team lose. We've been the Pacers, and we'll talk to you again next time.